Welcome everyone to another episode of the In Real Deep Podcast. I'm your host, Steve Semino, and with me as always is my co-host, Andrew Johnson. Hello, Andrew. Hey, Steve. Uh, I am Spartacus tonight. I think uh, we all are. Solidarity! That's what yeah. I was going to say. But yes, we've lost a great one. I've actually seen very, very few Kirk Douglas movies, so I don't feel equipped to comment too much on his passing, but... He lived to be a very old age, and sounds like he was a pretty good dude, so. Yeah, I was sad to see him go, but, uh, or not see him go, but learn that he had passed, but, uh, I was, I knew he was super, super old, but I was still shocked when it was like, he's 103. Uh, yeah, that's I don't think either one of us is going to make 103, so. <laughs> I, I don't, I don't think so, I'm I not sure. I'm going to be honest, that's not No, I know, yeah, yeah. Uh no I know but you know he's he's great Spartacus one of my favorite movies of all time Glory is the one I always think about that was a great Paths of Glory is terrific Father of Michael you know we wouldn't have two Ant Man movies really without (laughs) amongst other things (laughs) but certainly who would play Doctor Hank Pym without (laughs) Kirk Douglas siring a son you know (laughs) maybe Kirk Douglas should have just played him I don't know (laughs) oh well we stand a legend R I P Kirk Douglas. We are not here to talk about Kirk Douglas, however. We are here to talk about the best movies of 2019. In particular, we are here to choose the In Real Deep movie of 2019. Our number one, our favorite movie, our top choice. We do this every year. We've been doing it since 2014. And it's always a treat. It's one of our favorite episodes to record. It's always really, really great to break it down with you, Andrew, and sort of go through all of our mutual choices on our best of 2019 list which is available at inrealdeep.com, so go check that out. But what we do is we'll go through the five that we've commiserated upon and decided that are among the best, and then we choose one of those five. In previous years, we went with a bunch of choices that really hold up, which is great to see. In 2014, we chose Whiplash. In 2015, we chose Creed. In 2016, we chose Moonlight. In 2017, we chose Get Out. Last year, we chose A Star is Born, and this year is up for debate. So I think those are all great choices. Certainly, you know, we clearly lean popular, and we, you know, we, we didn't make the, the Oscar snooty choice, which is always fun. But, you know, there's a couple Oscar winners in there for sure, and I think those are, those are sort of populist choices, but also just really well-rounded good movies that everyone seemed to like. You know, no costume dramas, no bullshit, just very solid, entertaining films. I think the most snooty Oscar one we picked was Moonlight, which is, of course, the one that ended up winning the Oscar anyway. Yeah, which is massive probably upset. the best movie <clears throat> on that entire list. So, yeah. Well, I mean, yeah, I, I think it's like I, I tweeted this film. out. Sorry, let's say the best film. Yeah, know? I tweeted this out. Like that's one that there's a very short list for me when I was thinking about. We didn't do a movies of the decade list, but there was a very short list of movies that like just have stuck with me and. um and that is one of one of them. I just can't believe how long we've been doing this list, uh, or you know, really since I think I think our first we used to do it separately, uh, and then I can't remember what year we decided to just put them together, but it wasn't too long ago. Um, but we've been doing it since at least like 2012 or 2013, I think. Um, so. It's like almost a decade. <laughs> a lot of movie watching, a lot of arguing, a lot of choices. A lot of, a lot of movies, yeah. Oh, it's great. But it's always a treat, and we're here again to do it for 2019. But before we get too far in, 
Let's do our beverage of choice segment. My beverage is sort of tips my cap into what, what I'm leaning towards in tonight's proceedings. But I'm drinking a Peroni. I am drinking a fine Italian beer. I'm very into Italian things at the moment. I'm thinking a lot about Italy and the people who are from that great country and how good they are at filmmaking and acting. And, you know, maybe we'll honor some Italians tonight. Who knows? Unclear. But uh, Peroni is a delicious light uh, treat either way. So I'm enjoying that. Uh, yeah, I'm, well, if, if, if it was a harpoon, would it be honoring little women? I don't know. Like, uh, <laughs> <That's clear. laughs> uh, I am drinking cause I, I'm continuing on into February with my not drinking during on a school night. Uh, I'm drinking a uh, cranberry peach kombucha, which actually I guess has technically probably trace amounts of alcohol in it. Um, we're not going to hold you to that standard though. That's unfair. Uh, uh, yeah, but uh, you know, we'll see. I, I was thinking about this. Like, I probably will resume drinking on the podcast. I, I'm not being very hardcore about my not drinking thing. Like, but I, I, I have Maryland basketball season tickets. I probably mentioned that on the podcast before. I had there was a game last night. I usually go and drink during the week on at the game, which is like the best place to drink. Um, and uh, so once once the season's over, I'll probably just. You know, this will be my special occasion spot um, for, for, for alcoholic beverages. But until then, it'll be lame things like kombucha. That's good. We're all about you staying healthy. We're going to get you to 103, you know? Maybe that is yeah. the goal now. As you've cut yeah. out a little bit of booze, you'll make it yes. uh, triple digits. Yes, yes. I've, I've heard it's a natural remedy for coronavirus, <laughs> so I'm sure it's... <laughs> all right Andrew. Yeah. let's before we yeah. get into the big five that we chose let's talk about the best of the rest again if you look at our best of 2019 list on nreldeep.com the 10 movies five for myself and five from andrew that we did not collectively choose are in a section that we've dubbed the best of the rest and those are just 10 really really good films that we just did not particularly agree on as as you know, dual choices for 2019's top movie. Andrew, what is there anything among that list that you would like to call out as one you wish sort of made the cut or one you just want to talk about while we're in this little area? Or? Yeah, I want to talk about Transit, um, which is probably a little seen film um, by a relative. Uh, he was not a total unknown, but a relative unknown director named Christian Petzold, who's German. Um, and he did a great movie uh, in the middle of this decade called Phoenix that was also on our best of the rest list or on my top 10 or I don't know where it, it was, it was honored. Um, and I just want to talk about it cause it's a great movie. It's on Amazon prime. It's like, uh, like a Kafka esque uh, version of Casablanca in a lot of ways. And, um, I think Petzold is like a genius, uh, and we should be talking about it more. And like, the rest of my movies are like I, I I liked them all, but like there's nothing there's no there's no there's no others on that list that I need feel like I need to like uh, you know advocate for uh, like it's like 1917 and other stuff you know those, those are going to get plenty of plenty of ink over the next next few days so it's, it's just a great movie um, as long as you can tolerate the uh, the subtitles which you know we can because of other films on our on our list here so yep. and because we uh just it's not that hard to tolerate so we just... no. No. <laughs> in fact no. it's beyond easy i want to highlight uncut gems mm-hmm. i wrote i talked about this on in the best of list and i've talked about this to so many people when i described the movie it's a little long and the first hundred minutes are good but not great they're intriguing they're entertaining I I liked where it was going. I just wasn't captivated. And then the last 30 minutes of that movie 
are the best 30 minutes of any movie I saw this year. They're, I saw last year. They're unbelievable. They're so tense. They're so fun. They really captured the thrill of betting like an insane person, which I don't <laughs> bet like an insane person too much, but the couple times when I've had chances to win actual money, I felt a lot like Adam Sandler's Howard Ratner felt, though never on the scale that you'll see that he, <laughs> he gambles upon. But it's just so good. And Josh and Benny Safdie, they made the great movie Good Time with Robert Pattinson, which was sort of the Robert Pattinson come-out party a few years ago. And this is, you know, another great film. Different, less tense. Uh, you know, the Adam Sandler thing, is it a gimmick? Is he great? I would say he's pretty darn good. But regardless of that, I just think that last half hour is tremendous. And I, I wish there had been a little more of it. Maybe it would have cracked my, you know, top five otherwise. But but ultimately, a really, really good film. Certainly worthy of the top ten. And I highly recommend it if you're into, like, sort of scumbummy, uh, tense, messy, captivating <laughs> filmmaking. I think it's definitely something you might like. Sounds like a Guy Ritchie movie, but good. Yeah, well, I just saw The Gentleman, and that's a Guy oh. Ritchie movie, but bad. Oh. Okay. <laughs> yeah. that's, that's Guy Ritchie forgetting how he made his own movies and trying to go yeah. back and like watch yeah. them again and recreate the blueprint and doing a pretty bad job of it. So. Yeah. It's like they just stuck Matthew McConaughey in Lock, Sock, and Two Smoking Barrels. It was yeah, just or they forgot to make them charming. They're like, let's make a bunch of Guy Ritchie characters, yeah. but they're not interesting right. or charming. And you're like, oh, well, yeah. I don't yeah. want to watch that movie. So. Mm. Okay. Yeah. It's bad. There will not be a review coming out on InRealDeep.com. <laughs> not go see The Gentleman. It is lukewarm at best. Yeah. But what's not all lukewarm right. at best is our top five, our big five movies of 2019. We're going to go through them all one by one, and then we're going to choose our champion. We're going to pick the big winner of the year. We will start with The Farewell. Andrew, we both love this movie. It was great. I really wish it had gotten a little more awards praise from, you know, mm-hmm. Uh, Aquafina won the Golden Globe, which was amazing. I it would have been really nice to see it among the Oscar nominees in a certain categories. But great movie. A lot of people talked about it. I think it did pretty well at the box office. It certainly got a ton of buzz, and I thought it was terrific. Like I, re- I don't, you know, Chinese culture is is a mystery to me in a lot of ways, and it's like the, the way they present how they approach the grandmother in the film who is dying, and they do not tell her about her diagnosis is certainly a concept that I'm not familiar with personally, but I think it did a great job of just showing why they might do that and how a younger generation of, of people would not find that to be the most appetizing choice for how to treat their loved ones. Yeah. I, uh, I obviously we both love this movie. Um, I actually realized like halfway through it. Um, and I was, I rented it. I watched it at home. I think you saw it in the theater. Um, I realized like halfway through that, like, um, that, uh, that I had actually, I actually already knew this story because I didn't, I didn't realize Lulu Wong had done it on um, This American Life as like a podcast episode, um, and I, so I realized I like halfway through the story, like I knew the whole story, including how it ends, which is there's a little bit of a twist at the end, um, I guess. Um, and uh, I mean, I think it was great on This American Life. It was great as a like a movie, uh, and it just like it kind of brought that whole story to life even more. I think with with the actors, like Aquafina was great. Um, you know, I'm big on. We talked about Moonlight. One of the things I think that's so great about that movie is it like it takes you to this. It, it takes you to a place that, it, and that's Miami, but uh, it takes you to a place like you've probably like for guys like us, we, we've never spent like two seconds really thinking that hard about. And um, and then it just tells this story that's still very accessible within that context. Um, that's like a recipe for like a powerful 
film that's gonna it's gonna speak to you and, and like that's that's what's so great about so great about this movie um and i too was very disappointed that it, I, it didn't really get much love at all from an awards perspective and um i just thought it was just thought it was it was deserving so yeah but as we noted many many times on previous episodes and otherwise the oscars are bad a lot of awards are bad <laughs> it's uh it's, it's definitely one of those ones that if you're you know if you're in the know if you're a sort of a film buff Everybody's been talking about it for a long time, you know. Yeah. So it is, yeah. So, and the budget was three million dollars, and it made twenty million dollars. So that's amazing. That's yeah. terrific. A twenty four. We we love A twenty four on this podcast. They put it out into the world. Lula Wong, like it's 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 a hit everywhere. Any every which way you slice it, it was a sensation in a small way, but certainly in a profound way. And Lulu Wong's gonna get to make a lot more good stuff after this, and it's great. And so the fact that it didn't get Oscars for anything but score is a little weird, but also who really cares, you know? Or it didn't even get, no, sorry, it was shortlisted for score. It didn't even get score, so it got nothing. But who cares? Um, they're bad, and it made a lot of money, and we both like it very much, and it made our top five, so that's beautiful. Yep. So we enjoy that film immensely. Next up is The Irishman. I'm going to take a big sip of my Italian beer as I talk about <laughs> these wonderful Italian men in The Irishman. Wink, wink, nod, nod. The Irishman's amazing. We've already talked about it on this podcast. Go back and listen to our episodes in the archives. Wherever you listen to our podcast, on your phone, on nraildeep.com, you'll find our Irishman episode. It's great. It should be a half hour longer. It's amazing. <laughs> we've, we've talked about it ad nauseum. The one thing I will say about this movie, Andrew, I don't know if you're experiencing this as well. I've sensed a little bit of a backlash towards it in the last couple weeks. I've just ran into some friends or, you know, visited some people from out of town and was just bringing up how much I love this movie. And they've all said, meh, it's not that good. It's, you know, it's long. It's boring. It's this, this, that. I don't know if that is a collective rethinking of, you know, how this movie is perceived. I don't feel that way at all. I hope you're not feeling that. And I just think that might be sort of tied to the fact that it is, it is being, you know, recognized and ranked and, and appreciated but maybe didn't get the full-throated, you know, best picture run. I, I, it's basically not going to – I don't think it's going to win much of anything at the Oscars, which are coming up this yeah. weekend. And I think that this weird little backlash might be tied to that. And it just – the fervors died down, and now people are sort of rethinking it for, for what I would say is no good reason. They just, for some reason, don't find it to be that appealing anymore. Yeah, I've heard that in pockets as well, and I just don't understand it. Um, but I don't really know what to do with it. I don't know how to, like – argue with someone that they were bored by a long movie <laughs> yes. uh, you it, know that like, is sort I, of a losing from second one yeah. right because it is yeah. three and hours yeah. and 20 minutes that's wild yeah i mean it's like and I, I i especially don't know what to do with it when that's the complaint and it's on netflix it's not like you have to go to the theater and sit there in your seat for two and a half or three and a half hours or whatever like so i yeah i just don't I, I mean, I don't, I don't think either of us subscribe to the idea that a long movie is boring. Like, like the the shortest movies that are poorly made can feel excruciatingly long, and long movies that are incredibly well made, as this as is this film, uh, I can feel breezy. I mean, I I say that I split it over two nights, but that's just because I have small kids and um you know a life and everything like that. yeah like, you, have, you, have, um, you get a free pass for that yeah, for going yeah. forward for eternity so i mean yeah, yeah I, I, otherwise you're right i would direct folks to our, our our 40 minutes plus on on this topic uh on this on this movie already or that we've already recorded review or any other any other yeah. number of or just call us on the phone and ask us about it we'll be happy yeah. to tell yeah. you Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> so that's been said. It's terrific. We love it so much. Um, Little Women up next. 
Loved this movie. So excited to talk about it. Been preaching it everywhere. It's and it, it's been a weird. I I don't know why I get this reaction when I talk about Little Women with friends and coworkers and whoever. They're all so surprised that I like it so much. And I think that's probably just a byproduct of it being this very very old novel that people either read when they were younger or you know assume it's going to be maybe a little uh, antiquated and and buy paint by numbers and buy the book and boring. And I think when you sit down in the theater and see this movie, it's anything but. It is wonderful it's full of life it's charming it's really funny florence Pugh, who we've already talked about on our oscars episode is amazing in it like she's gonna be a super duper star and she deserves every second of it and it's just so great like i'm just i was i was i went into it expecting to enjoy it because i liked greta gerwig's previous film ladybird so much and then i walked out like i think i like this more than ladybird even like i think it's just better i think and i think the fact that she is clearing that hurdle by by making an old book like this and feel fresh and new she's just the icing on the cake and the cherry on top of, of a really great great film yeah uh i i definitely like it more than ladybird um i was surprised at how much i ended up liking it um yeah i i mean i i just don't know like i've been listening to the the score uh, all week because I think it's great. It's Alexander Alexander De, De, De Pla, who we talked about a lot on this podcast, who's great. Um, I just think like the degree of difficulty of making this movie as good as it was is is really high. Um, <laughs> like like it's it's been made into a film like four or five times at least. Um, you've got a like a all star cast. It's you know it's a it's a it's a book that's really beloved. Uh, it it just uh it's just it's just an impressive impressive work and i think the thing i really like about it you know i i sort of i didn't i didn't read little women growing up probably because of being a, a a man or a boy um but uh like i i it it uh i really like the way it sort of paid direct homage to the true story of louisa may alcott too um like at the end. So I don't know if you read any about this, Steve, but it, um, you know, Louisa May Alcott never actually married in real life, but that book is largely autobiographical and they pay direct homage to that. And I asked, you know, my wife, Amanda, who's has read the book. And I was like, did, in, is there any reference to that? And is there like this meta storyline about her getting the book published? And, and, um, and she was like, no, there, there, uh, in, in the book, it's like pretty clear that, you know, um, that Joe ends up marrying the, the, the guy's name. I can't remember. Um, yeah, not really, and, not really relevant for yeah, no, probably the entire movie. Well, character. Especially once you find out that Louisa May Alcott never got married, you know, um, in real life. So, um, I just, I love that. I, I think, I think it just was true to the, you know, it was, it told this great story about these four sisters, but then it was true to the, the author too, who was really like way ahead of her time in terms of uh, writing about a subject, you know, su- a subject like that. Um, and, and, you know, also the writing about um, or, or uh, you know, being sort of a true independent woman in like the 19th century when it was pretty hard to do that sort of thing. So um, I just thought it was great, you know, 
I have a friend, Ryan and Julie, a married couple, and when I was visiting them and talking about movies with them, they they expressed the theory, Andrew, I don't know if you've heard this, that everything near the end of the movie, when it cuts back to Joe Marsh talking to Tracy Letts' publisher, and they're discussing how the story should end, and they're batting around the ideas, and it sort of does, like you said, play homage to yeah. the real from Lisa May Alcott. They think that the st- like that is the story that they're, they're implying in that scene that the rest of it, the movie doesn't actually happen. Yeah, I, I think that's, that's... And I didn't that's, read that at all. Actually, and I mean, I, I think the, 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 what's nice is that it plays both ways, you know? Yeah. It can be a yeah. little aside where they show you like that... Like, the, the, the story of the movie can be the story of the book or it can be the story of... Like, you know, it can be whatever you want it to be, you know? It doesn't have to be... Yeah. Uh, it doesn't have to be meta. It doesn't have to be anything. Like, you can just... You can read it straight. Like, she's, she's writing the book and telling her own story at the same time. And, you know, it, it doesn't matter. But I like that interpretation. I never thought about that. I took it as just like a fun little aside uh, acknowledging that, you know, she is living a life while she's writing a book about her life and that the two are intertwined in some ways, perhaps not intertwined in other ways. And that was the way it went. But either way, I, it's again another another great idea to just drop that in there and have it be so seamless and have it not really matter how you interpret it is is terrific. Yeah, well, I like it because it makes the movie work on two levels, which I I think like that's also true of the Irishman. Like it, the Irishman is successful because it works on kind of multiple um, multiple levels, and 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 Little Women does too. Uh, fun fact I read after that, that, uh, often Lisa May Alcott would, people would write letters to her as, uh, Joe or Miss March and she never corrected them. So, um, if that gives you how much of a, an idea, how much, um, she, she was Joe, uh, there you go. That's great. I love that very much. It's a great film. Very, very excited. Glad it's made a ton of money too. That's, that's really cool to see. It's it's about to go over a hundred million dollars domestic, which is crazy. Like that. It costs forty, and it's going to go over a hundred, and it's made one hundred and sixty-four worldwide. Yeah. So that's wild. That's yeah. a big again. Another movie got a bunch of Oscar nominations. Should have gotten more, absolutely, but certainly not being disregarded critically or financially. So that's you know, you and I care about that stuff because that means Greta Gerwig gets to make more movies and do sort of whatever she wants, probably going forward. So that's what matters to me as much as anything is that great filmmakers, especially people who we don't hear from a ton, get a chance to do whatever they want in the future. That's amazing. Yep. Yep. Speaking of, can do whatever they want and has no restraints whatsoever. We're on to <laughs> Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. This is an interesting choice for me. I think it's the it's sort of the opposite of what I said about Uncut Gems. I love the beginning of this movie, almost the entire movie, with all my heart. And then I found the end distasteful and complicated and just not exactly what I wanted it to be. I didn't think it really hit the mark for what it was going for. I thought it was too violent towards characters that didn't that I wasn't rooting for to be horrifically murdered. I was rooting for them to fail in their attempt to murder a pregnant woman and her friends, but I was not rooting for them to be have their face smashed in repeatedly <laughs> on screen. But that's what happened in the movie, and I don't think it is a disqualifying act. I just and some people loved it and thought it was the funniest thing they'd seen or thematically appropriate. I did not agree, but at the end of the day, I still think it was great. I think Tarantino. I think their Pitt is amazing. DiCaprio is amazing. Margot Robbie is amazing. Al Pacino is amazing. There's just you know the the soundtrack is great. The way it's shot is great. Like there's so many things I liked about it that it would have been lying to leave it off my top ten. Just as I thought the last you know there was a ten minute chunk in the near the end of the movie that I really didn't like. Yeah, I mean, and we, this is another one we recorded a whole podcast about, so we can direct people to that. Um, it was a bit a bit ago. I, it's like it, it's Tarantino's best 
in, a, in quite some time, but I don't know that that's necessarily like means it's it automatically rises to like a, a top of the list. Um, you know, I I just it's just got great performances and it's um, and it's just a little like it, it reminded me a lot of for most of it, a lot of like uh, a lot of Jackie Brown, which I think we, we found some some love for this year um, on our end. And uh, and then it just mixed in some of the the ticks that um, Quentin Tarantino uh, ha- has shown over the last couple of years. I guess I would say like and we already talked about this, so I won't belabor the point, but I, I really like the very, very, very end of the movie where, um, you know, Rick Dalton sort of goes up to this party with uh with uh, Sharon Tate and um, you know, they kind of move on. Cause I just, it, it gave you a lot to think about there. Um, so in some ways I think it was kind of like the most uh, thematic and message driven um, film that, that he's made in a long, a long time. So I, I thought it was very good. I, uh, I don't, I don't know that it like, I, I was a little surprised to me that like it even, I, after I saw it first that it actually, I wasn't sure it would even make the top 10, which maybe is another, discussion entirely about the sort of lack of depth in this year's best movies. But, um, but, uh, but here it is. Um, you know, it's always, always hard, always hard to ignore Quentin Tarantino. So I have a friend who put it out there and I don't think this is justified, but it was something to think about at least that he just, I, I, he didn't get the movie cause I think he just doesn't care about old timey Hollywood, but he also posited that if Quentin Tarantino, if his name wasn't attached to the movie, we wouldn't hold it in such high regard. Which I find to be a very chicken and the egg type argument, you know? Like, the, the, the man, especially for a stylish director like Tarantino, like, yes, attaching his name to something does raise your eyebrows and make you more likely to see it and change how you're interpreting it, but that's because the man also has a very distinct way of doing business, you know, way of making a movie, subject matter, re- how he represents people, his dialogue, like, those are all things we like about him. So, Yes, like obviously knowing it's a Tarantino movie before you watch it changes how you're going to think about it, but that's the point too, you know? <laughs> like it wouldn't it's for me, at least I think the way you and I watch movies, it'd be weird to go into a movie and not know who directed it. I like I mean, unless it's a total unknown, yeah. I just like to know that cuz I like certain directors and I'm intrigued to know how they work. And so <laughs> I found that I found it to be an interesting little argument though, especially for someone who again who doesn't watch things the way we do and and need to know every little detail. I, I can see how that's something you, you could potentially find tiresome if you're that type of a film goer. Yeah. Yep. But we don't give a shit because we like to know things and we're always no. doing things. So no. why even bother? No. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> oh, speaking of great directors, such good transitions on this episode. <laughs> speaking of great directors, our last in the top five of 2019 is Parasites. Bong Joon-ho's film. Beloved, another one that made a bunch of money. $33 million in the United States. It cost $11 million in American dollars, and it uh, has made $165 million worldwide. So, an outrageous hit, especially for a movie of this subject matter. It's, it's wild. It's got a legitimate Best Picture nomination, which is amazing. Bong Joon-ho got a uh, Best Director nomination. People talk about it. People have seen it. It's a huge advance for Korean film, for foreign film in general. It's a movie of our times, yet it doesn't feel like it is preaching to us. It's great. I would say it's not, you know, in my own personal rankings, it was not at number one, but it was such a well-made film. Like, it just, it checked off so many boxes and did so many things great, and it's, you know, its craft is through the roof. It's charming. The cast is terrific at what they're doing. It's just... 
it's it's really really special and it's uh it's one of those movies that just feels like it's it, the hype was deafening especially in again in, in film nerd circles and it weirdly lived up to it yeah i'm surprised at like cr- honestly that it crossed over from film nerd circles to uh to like more mainstream sort like I, I had a lot of people ask me about this movie um not me telling them about it they asked me about it like sort of unprompted which i think is a sign of well i mean how good it is but also it's sort of bizarre like in the grand scheme of things like bong joon ho did you know did snowpiercer which i would have thought would have been like like the crossover movie for him right like so uh and somehow this this ends up being the one that like really uh really seemed to resonate which is I, I find it be strange, but um, I'm not going to complain about it. Uh, I guess I guess the thing I really love about this film is that it's like not only is it not like is it not preaching? It has a message, but it's not really preaching. It doesn't give you any easy answers, but also just that it like it kind of weaves in and out of different like genres. Like it's it's thrilling in moments, like a thriller. It's really funny in other times. Um, and then like kind of shocking too. like, it just, it, it just, uh, it, it really like kind of defies sort of any sort of any easy classification really. Um, People have asked me if it's like uh, horror and I was like, no, but that's an interesting sort of question, you know, <laughs> like, yeah, yeah. not at all as you define horror probably, but yeah. like kind yeah. of like it does, it doesn't, it isn't trying not to be hard, you know, like there are parts where there, you know, a horror type event could easily occur in a lot of scenes, you know? Yeah. Yeah, 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 absolutely. Especially like, you know, when the family comes back, you think of that almost, but it's really more of like a, it's, it's funny and thrilling at the same. I don't know. Yeah. yeah it's, you're it's, not like, yeah, you're not, it, yeah. You're, sometimes you're scared that they're going to get caught, but it's more in like a, you know, when they're, when the, when the, the rich husband and wife are, you know, fooling around on the couch and it's sort of awkward yeah. and strange and yeah. you're, it's, it's yeah. meant, it's played for laughs as much as played for tension building, which is right, right. a weird, you know, a tough uh, line to walk that, that, that Bong walks, rocks, walks really cleanly and carefully. So yeah. And the yeah. dad, Sung Kang Ho, uh, there was a little bit of talk that he'd get a Best Supporting Actor nomination. Didn't seem super likely. It was a pretty stacked Best Supporting uh, yeah. cast this year. But he's great. Like, he is – he's the whole movie. Like, obviously, he, he's literally the catalyst for a lot of the events that occur. But right. watching him just get tired and exhausted and burned out and worn down and, and being, you know, the older the, – the, the patriarch of the family and being the one who has suffered the most for the longest – and has borne the weight of, you know, his his poor family's frustrations. Having him crack and the way that that, that Song Kang-ho plays the crack is is really, really great. Like, he's yeah. – it would have been so cool to see him get something. But, again, that wasn't – that was sort of a pipe dream. But still was yeah. terrific in this. Yep, yep. I, I, I wrote this in the, on our piece, but I think this is the movie we're going to be talking about, like, five or ten years from now yeah. of yeah. all these. Um, uh, it, it just – it feels like the stickiest – most you know you know most uh most strong the strongest sort of like new and different feeling movie i guess right like like scorsese like irishman is is terrific you know probably gonna be you know well we'll we'll figure it out i guess but um it it that does that that's like another that's like another scorsese gangster film so yeah, it doesn't we're gonna slot that in, in comfortably and nicely in there going forward you know I, it doesn't, yeah. It doesn't feel like a like a new and noteworthy development, I guess, in like the history of film so much uh, as it is just sort of him carrying on. Um, but that, what he's that, been you're doing. right, though. That's what makes Parasite so great is the fact that it is so universal and timeless and doesn't tie itself to you know economic troubles in 2019 or even Korea in a lot of ways. Like it is just, 
it is a movie that sort of somehow stands alone, and I don't know how exactly he did that, that worked that sort of movie magic. But yeah, it does it does sort of rise it above the masses or the other good movies this year. Even if it doesn't take home all the awards we'd love to see it have, it definitely is. It feels like the kind of thing that we can watch in five years and, and totally understand where they're coming from still. Well, now that you said that, I'm terrified they're going to make an American adaptation of this, which they probably <laughs> well, will. Well, they already gave Bong an HBO series. You see that? That's they're gonna true. Do Snowpier- yeah, they're going to do like a Snowpiercer anthology type deal. I did see that. Which so. would be great if, it, if they like go off the Watchmen. You know, if, if anyone is out there has watched Watchmen, Andrew and I both loved that yeah. HBO series. Yeah. If they use yeah. that as a template and just tell stories in the sort of Snowpiercer universe, that sounds great. Yeah. If they yeah. try and remake it or or do anything along those lines, and I sort I do trust HBO. They seem like they have a good sense of how to not exhaust their audience or frustrate them with with garbage. So I hope that they take a smart approach to that and just use his ample storytelling prowess to to tell similar tales in a in a similar world without making us uh, frustrated. Yeah, yeah. I mean, we'll we'll see. I was more thinking of like a just. A, a version with white people, rich white people in it instead of rich and <laughs> that poor That would be very bad. Like a like an old boy remake, that sort of thing? Yes. That no one wants exactly or needs and is essentially exactly the same movie yeah. and is 100% yeah. worse? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yes. That's what I'm thinking. Yeah. I hope we are free from that. I, 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 cr- I think we will be, but that's, you know, who mm. knows? If, if they wrote a big enough check, I can't yeah. predict how people are going to make choices they're going to make. But yeah. Yeah. We'll yeah. All right, Andrew, let's do it. You sort of hinted at it. Um... <laughs> Like I think with this, I will say last year when we sat down and did this, we did not know what we were going to yeah. pick, and we sort of settled on the Stars Born, and I feel really good about that. And I think the way we talked through it on that episode made it pretty clear. In having this conversation, I will say I like all five of these movies immensely. I part of me really wants to go Parasite because I do fully agree with your point that it is sort of the best film and the most memorable maybe memorable is not the way we were but the most everlasting the most uh outside of time the most you know the the most important film of the year maybe in a lot of ways but i just cannot go against irishman like i love irishman so much if you want to try and talk me out of it i will certainly accept that but i just think irishman is tremendous the second i saw it i knew i loved it and every you know we've talked about the death there's only so much we can say but I really find it to be tremendous in so many ways, and I, I, I mean, it'd be hard pressed for me not to to make it number one this year. I'm not going to fight you on this. I do, I would say I, I think you can throw out Farewell and Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. I, those are the two I definitely don't see at the top there. I don't feel strongly enough about Parasite. I mean, I really the more and more time goes by, the more and more I have fond positive feelings of uh, Little Women. I like Parasite. I I've watched once and i feel like that it was awesome but i still haven't like fully wrapped my head around it to be honest um and uh it's like sort of a holy shit what did i just watch thing (laughs) um and in a good way uh and so like but i don't i don't feel like i always feel like with the exception of i guess last year i feel like one of us typically feels stronger than the other one about one of the, one of the movies being the best. I don't really feel particularly strongly. I, like I really like these five movies and especially the three I mentioned. Um, so I'm, I don't, I don't have any mo- motion carried, I guess I would say. <laughs> I mean, before we officially say that we should talk about 2019, cause you're right. It was an interesting year. Like I think you and I put this list together 
pretty easily. Like, we batted around a couple stuff at the end, and then we both sort of, for different reasons, caught up on a lot of things at the end of the year, and were able to flush out our top tens and get somewhere where we wanted it to be. And I was looking at my list on Letterboxd. I was going through all of them. I saw, I think, 50 movies last year, and I was mm-hmm. looking through all of them. And, I, you know, there were a lot of 2.5 movies last year. I think we said this in 2018 as well. There was just a lot of mediocrity. And I think our, our, our these 15 movies we have on this list are all pretty good. And, like, the ones I've seen, I would not mind seeing again almost across the board. But, you know, short of, of Irishman and maybe Parasite, and then Lisa, maybe Little Women, there's not much that I'm going to... Would, like, if I was still bought DVDs, there's not many I'd buy on DVD, you know? There's not many I yeah. would stop, drop what I'm doing to watch over and over again. And I don't know what that means exactly. Like, I don't know if that's an indictment on the year or, or the industry as a whole or, or you know, because I do enjoy these 15 films against the ones I've seen. But, yeah, it's um, it, it wasn't – there were a couple years where, like, you, we may have had to argue a little bit, but there was there was some really good choices. Like, and again, the choices we've made have been have, – have stood the test of time. And I, I think we should take Irishman. It sounds like we're going to take Irishman. This this is the one I will say, like, I guess last year too, in five years, will we look back and think that we were blinded by love of Marty and Al and, and Bobby? Like, maybe. I'm still saying we take it, but that wouldn't blow me away if there's a little bit of regret down the line. Yeah, maybe. But I mean, I, I think on the flip side, I think you're right that it's the, the last two years have felt I, like I I think A Star is Born was a great choice, but I don't feel like that's one that is like going to echo down for eternity, I, I guess, so to speak. And like, like, I feel like the same this year, whereas like when I go back a year before before that um when we had like get out and dunkirk and i think there was probably one other one that we were strongly considering but those two were like i was like oh my god those are two really really great movies i don't even know how to like choose between them and this one i'm more like i'm i guess i'm more I'm more ambivalent don't feel as strongly about it so um and a we'll and, you know time will see if there's a time will tell if there's a marty pacino P- pesci de niro halo um, that kind of fades over time, but you know. but we both love the movie, and like I think yeah. you know that maybe, maybe that malaise is settling in with me more than I even thought before we started talking about it. Just because I, I I guess I'm just, and also there's just yeah. there's only so much we can say on this podcast because we've said so many things already, so it's hard to hype yeah. ourselves yeah. up when we've already you know hyped right. ourselves up for months. Yeah. But I will say it's interesting when you go back to our previous best films: Whiplash, Damien Chazelle, Creed, Ryan Coogler, Moonlight, Barry Jenkins, Get Out, Jordan Peele, even Stars Born, Bradley Cooper. A lot mm-hmm. of like surprising almost out of nowhere filmmakers really blowing us away and Bong Joon-ho is not a new filmmaker by any means but this is definitely his grandest coming out party yet so it would sort of fit the narrative we've established over the last couple years Martin Scorsese is a dip back and like well it's Marty you know good old reliable Marty yeah yeah at the same time he is one of the greatest living America or American filmmakers living or dead so it's not like we're uh picking through the gutter or anything you know no no, 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 and uh, you can't go wrong with uh, what's that? You'll never get fired for uh, hiring IBM. Right? Isn't that the line? So you, ne- you never get, you never go wrong going with Martin Scorsese, really. So, yep. and it's a great film. Yeah. And I, except I'm, for Shutter I, Island, I'm tempted to pile. Poly- <laughs> a lot of people like Shutter Island now too. There's like a Shutter Island resurgence going on, apparently. Those people are wrong. Um, <laughs> it's yeah. not my favorite as well, but I, you know, I haven't seen it in ten years, so I can't speak to it too much. Yeah. But. Yeah. Well, that's yeah. it. So the Irishman 2019. We've talked about it. We hinted at it. 
finishing my Peroni right now. Love those Italian <laughs> men. And love that movie. Like, I really do kind of want to pop it on again because I want to see Pesci. I want to see Al. I've been reading some a little bit, like, uh, to go against the, the Irishman dislike that I've sort of felt percolating. There's been a lot of De Niro uh, respect since he got snubbed from the Oscars for the reasons yeah. that I think we've talked about, that he, he carried the movie in a very in a quiet, uh, understated sort of way, especially, you know, and I think that people are respecting that. Whether you think it is award-worthy or one of his best performances or not, it seems like people are more and more getting what he was going for, at least, and, like, you know, how important he was to that movie working the way it did. So I appreciate that, and I think he's... I think they're all great, and it's a tremendous film, and uh, I'm looking forward to having it on my Netflix over and over. I'm looking forward to buying the Criterion Collection. They're putting it out on Blu-ray. Oh, nice. I will happily spend money to buy to buy a movie yeah. I can, in theory, watch whenever I want. I want a physical copy of that Irishman in my house. Well, then you can cancel Netflix if you want to, that's too. True. That's a nice thing. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Oh, that's a great point. Well, there we go. Our 2019 movie has been chosen. Andrew, any final thoughts as we close the uh, 2019 permanently? I, I would just quote uh, Dolomite is my name and say that's a motherfucking rap. <laughs> <laughs> that's beautiful. There's no better way to do it. 2019 is over. We're into 2020. The Oscars are right around the corner. You can watch them if you dare. I know Andrew and I probably will and will hate tweet Definitely. about them. and. Yeah. Be yep. pissy babies because we are complainers, but we are slaves yep. to the to the industry. Can't help ourselves. Yep. <laughs> we cannot help ourselves. <laughs> yep. But that's coming this weekend, so enjoy that. And we thank you for coming on this ride with us every year. We love it. We love doing the best of lists. We love picking our top movie. It's just such a treat, and we get so many chatter, like friends reaching out, asking what we liked, uh, wondering about our choices, asking when the list is coming out. That's always really, really cool. And so I know, Andrew, that we both appreciate that very much, and we like uh, the little pocket of the world that we've created where people give a shit about our film opinions. Yeah, yeah. Well, the, the, ten, the tens of them. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe occasionally it breaks 100, you know, every now Maybe. and then we get to 100. Maybe, yeah. <laughs> Yeah. <sighs> oh well thank you all so much again our best movies of 2019 list is on inrealdeep.com so go check it out you can see all the movies we talked about today read our little thoughts on all of them and we will be back throughout 2020 as especially as the season starts heating up the we're in the winter doldrums but there'll be some good stuff coming in the near future and we will be back to talk about it andrew thank you so much for another great year love in real deep love you great times all right what the love is mutual oh beautiful and love you all so much thank you for listening we'll be seeing you further on up the road adios